All right, we're going to go ahead and get started. I have Bridget Smith and Sally Rue, who are from the Alaska Ice Team, and I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to them, and they can tell you a little bit about themselves. Thanks, Nicole. Hi, everybody. Um, this is Sally Rue. Um, I am the director of the Alaska Initiative for Community Engagement, Alaska ICE, as we fondly call it here. And with me here today is Bridget Smith, who is one of our community engagement educators. Hi, everyone. This is Bridget. Glad to, to see that you're on. So um, today I think this is the last um, in the series of new board member webinars for this year. And um, last but not least, um, we're going to talk today about how, as school board members, you can engage your community helping kids succeed. Um, okay, let's see, Bridget, can you go to the next slide? Yeah. So basically, um, are, are all of you uh, new uh, school board members or are some of you um, veteran ones that, that know something about Alaska Ice? Anybody? Right, well, I'll assume that you're new board members. Um, basically, Alaska ICE, the Initiative for Community Engagement, is a statewide initiative that works to um, enlist adults and organizations and um, all manner of people and entities in Alaska um, in, the, in the shared responsibilities for um, helping kids succeed. And um, it's basically, it, it's a strength-based model, so it's looking at what can we as adults do to help kids succeed, um, rather than looking at what are the problems and how do you create a program to fix a problem. So it's really it's based on um, what we call the developmental assets framework, and um, Bridget will talk to you a little bit more about that in, in a few minutes. Um, but it really, in looking at how kids succeed, the way kids get the values and skills and support they need to be successful really is through you know, supportive relationships with adults. And that's sort of the fundamental principle um, that underlies the last ice. Um, it also, we like to think of it as not a program but a way of thinking. And um, it has to do with us all being intentional in our daily lives and in our interactions with, um, with young people. Um, and that Small things count, and um, we, we sort of know that in our hearts, but research also bears that out. So our definition of community engagement um, is the intentional action of groups and individuals working together to create healthy environments that support the growth and education of children and youth. And those words, were, there's a lot of words packed in there, but basically it really revolves around building community relationships, um, in all these different areas, we, you know, obviously families, um, parents are child's first teachers and the most fundamental, um, and certainly schools, and, but really we have opportunities every day, each of us, in our neighborhoods, youth programs, you know, faith communities, businesses, everywhere, all adults and all youth can be involved in, in, in creating an environment where um, kids can so just, I'm going to skim through just a little bit of history of Alaska ICE. It really stemmed from 1991 when AASB um, sort of took a hard look at itself and really started um, 
making everything that we do as an organization revolve around advocating for children and youth. Um, and they put, uh, we put some resources into that in 1995, hired a director of child and youth advocacy. Um, at that time, there was a statewide adolescent health plan going on, AASB and Department of Health and Social Services and a variety of um, people were involved with that really um, came up with the idea that you need a strength-based model. To, you know, we don't want just kids to be problem-free. We want them to have the skills and resiliency and um, assets um, so that they can be successful. So that's how we all started looking um, at a strength-based model. Um, and, and what we did was we, we found um, the developmental assets framework, which was created by the Search Institute, um, and uh, that gives you that gives you a research-based way of looking at kids' strengths and what they need um, to be successful, not just problem-free. So one of the instrumental things, and um, hopefully you've all seen our book, sort of like our Bible um, about community engagement and assets. Um, helping Kids Succeed Alaska Style. And there's a picture of it there on the right-hand side of the screen. Um, that really is the fundamental. It was created collaboratively by AASB and um, Department of Health and Social Services and um, sort of a statewide group growing out of that Adolescent Health Task Force back in um, 1997. And it really, um, we say it's written by and for Alaskans, and it really is. It, it came about as a year-long process of um, ASB and other people traveling around the state and um, collecting ideas from everyday Alaskans on what do kids need to succeed. And so if you look through that book, it's a wealth of information that has the research behind the assets framework that kids who have more assets are more successful in school, they're more resilient, they have fewer risk behaviors. Um, and it also has just really... Um, uh, simple ways that Alaskans came up with of how they build assets in kids. So um, that that has sort of remained our um, the foundation of um, the community engagement. Um, and then it really took off in 2001 when we got a um, sizable federal grant, and um, that enabled um, Alaska's initiative for community engagement to actually um, get going and um, be start actively partnering with districts and communities all over the state um, to in this business of helping kids succeed. So, and I'm going to turn it over to Bridget now. Hi. Um, I'd like to know who's out there. Um, from Canada, could you introduce yourself to, to us? Hi, this is Barbara Martin. Um, in Tanana. This is Michelle Hout Cooper in Ketchikan. Hi, Barbara and Michelle. Is there anyone else uh, from Ketchikan there? Not yet. <laughs> Still waiting, huh? I think it'll be just me today. Okay, well that's that's great. Barbara and Michelle. Um, you know, when um when I was a kid, um one of the adults who made a difference in my life was my grandmother. Uh, 
my sister and I lived with my mother and my grandmother because my dad died when I was two. So my grandmother was uh, someone who really valued education. And I remember her spending a lot of time with me at the dining room table, drilling me on the multiplication table, because she felt that that was a very important skill that I ought to have. Uh, and of course, as a result, after hours of doing that, I, I usually can remember what six times seven is. Um, <laughs> but uh, I wonder if you could think back to an adult who made a difference uh, for you in in your education or or maybe in your life, Barbara, do you have somebody in mind? Well, my first grade teacher was a very young nun who was probably exuberant and didn't end up continuing to be a nun, but she was just so excited about learning things and um my dad spent a lot of hours, and we shared tears doing um Arithmetic. Yeah. So you had the same kind of experience I had with my grandmother, it sounds like. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, well, my children are struggling, too. Oh, <laughs> great. But, they have but they're in college. <laughs> what would you, you say, Barbara? But they are in college. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Michelle? Do you have a story? Yeah, I, I would have to say my high school volleyball coach. Um, he was he was very competitive, but he really instilled, I think, not only in me but all of the young ladies um, throughout his years of coaching us, um, the the importance of discipline and dedication uh, to the goal at hand. Yeah, coaches can make a tremendous difference in the lives of the kids that they coach. Um, we. Um, we talk a lot about the developmental assets uh, in Alaska Eye. Um, they're either external or internal. Um, the external ones, are, and assets, if you're not already familiar with them, are on page 10 of the Helping Kids Succeed Alaska style. Um, but what they are are key building blocks in, in kids' lives that help them to grow up to be strong and, and capable and caring. And what we uh, what we hope is that families and schools and communities provide the external assets, of which there are 20. And and then we what we hope is that um, every young person has the internal assets. There are also also the more assets the kids have, the more successful that they will be, and uh, the way that they get assets, of course, is from supportive relationships with adults, like the ones that we were just talking about, my, my grandmother, um, Barbara's father, and the uh, young nun, and Michelle's um, volleyball coach. So what we like to say is that um, you know without without adults we uh, kids do not get assets and so we have to intentionally build assets in the young people that uh, we work with. Um, so well, yeah, this is Hallie. One thing I would just add um, to 
that um, the, the, what we showed you were the eight categories of internal and external assets, and internal are sort of, you know, can be related to social, emotional, employability kinds of skills. Um, and, um, you know, for instance, commitment to learning. Um, that would include things like achievement motivation, school engagement, homework, bonding to school, and reading for pleasure. And um, if, you, if you go um, through the uh, Helping Kids Succeed book or go on our website and, and look more at these assets, um, what you'll find is that 22 of them can be directly influenced by schools. And so in some ways, you know, you as school board members will probably be um, particularly interested in those. We, we also often, I mean, there's, no, there's nothing magic about the term assets or these specific assets, but really what they are is they're universal human values and skills and things that we know in our hearts you know, kids need. Um, and we need them you know, to have healthy communities and healthy kids. Um, so some, in, in some spheres they're called you know, resiliency or protective factors. Um, and often, you know, if we're working in rural Alaska, you know, we, we um, use traditional native values um, in place. But they're basically all sort of the same idea of what it takes to, um, you know, create, build healthy communities for our kids and, um, and give them what they need to succeed. So um, let me talk a little bit about sort of the way that we've gotten at AASB more systematic um, in, in community engagement. Um, we, in 2001, when Alaska Ice started out, and it was right about the time that we, AASB also started, it's um, QS2, uh, which stands for Quality School quality students, um, and that is AASB's school improvement model. And for a couple of years, we sort of went along with these two different initiatives that were sort of going down parallel tracks. And then, um, you know, as we gained experience, we started realizing, boy, if we, if we want to see impact, we really need to um, marry these two um, initiatives and, and focus them in the same places, same communities and um, school districts. So um, what we've done is um, sort of marry the QS2 school improvement model with Alaska ICE's community engagement work. And so what we do is we partner um, partner with districts around the state, and um, they uh, we call them QS2 districts. And so for three years, they get school improvement services from AASB, um, which include you know out initially and doing a district inventory to sort of get the like get a snapshot of what's going on in that um, school district and that um, in their schools and their communities. Um, we, AASB offers strategic planning um, for the district and districts that are QS2 partners um, can actually um, use Alaska ICE um, funding to um, pay the cost of that. AASB obviously provides a lot of board and policy and other kinds of services to school boards and districts, um, and also um, advisory school board training in rural areas. Uh, on the Alaska ICE um, community engagement, so Alaska ICE serves, does community engagement work with these same districts um, as they're going along doing school improvement kinds of things. Um, we are, are doing community engagement services, which include, include um, sort of all these things that you see here. And, Lot more. It's very, it's a very uh, locally driven model um, that people in the districts and schools and communities need to decide what it's going to look like for them. You know, what their 
vision of the successes and how they're going to get there. And we provide, you know, a lot of um, assistance and coaching um, and support and resources. Um, but really, for sustainable change, it needs to be, um, you know, driven by local people because if you know the work, it's not going to be sustainable if the work gets done when we're there, but not otherwise. So it needs to be. Build those community collaborations um, among different organizations and people so that you know, after the three years of the QSP model, um, there are those relationships. There again, it's, it's all about relationships. And those relationships are there, and, and people can continue to collaborate. On um, and Bridget has Bridget's going to. Um, that is a we the QS2 districts. We usually take on. Um, about three per year for three years. Um, one of the things that we've learned over the course of Alaska ICE is that on the community engagement end, three years is very um, short time for sustainable community change. And so we are we are um, have evolved to try to support and coach um, QS2 districts for longer than three years on the community engagement side. Um, Ketchikan was a um, QS2 district um, a few years ago and went. That and um, this, this uh, current year, we just um, uh, collaborated, uh, helped with a little bit of funding for a, um, a community school district project that built on the foundation that was created there during the QS2 days. And um, so next year, we're going to be inviting all the former QS2 districts to apply to, um, uh, for, you know, for some funding to support some kind of community engagement or school. And so that that is one of our more intensive efforts. We also have you know partnerships with a variety of other um, local state organizations, and we also have some um, services that are available to, to all districts. That um, Bridget's going to talk to you about one of those. I want to. Before I tell you about our, our service project for youth, um, we've gone through a lot of information so far about the history of ICE, um, about the 40 developmental assets, um, QS2 school improvement model. Um, what questions do you have, Barbara, Michelle? I have one. Could you please speak a little bit louder? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, and I I sent a message because it yeah for me it was fading in and out and I didn't know if you were turning away from the mic while you were talking but um yeah I or maybe it's my phone. Okay, well we'll try to um uh can can you hear me now? All right, this is Sally. Yeah, it's good now. Okay, we'll try to stay right focused on the microphone. Yeah, we've moved, we've moved it closer to us now. So, yeah, if, if you <laughs> break in at any time, please, if you can't hear. Um, how about questions about what we've already gone through? Uh, any thoughts in your mind? I'm enjoying it. Thank you. Oh, good. Good. It's, um, it's fun for us, too. Um, Sally had talked about uh, 
the partners that we have, districts and communities, and I, I just wanted to tell you about one of the things that we do twice a year because it's something that is fun and something that uh, both your districts uh, could participate in without being QS2 partners. Um, and this is what we call youth-led service projects. Um, we send out um, a, um, a request for proposals all over the state twice a year, once in the winter and once in the summer. And what we ask is for youth groups, and, and these can be either um, community groups or they can be um, church groups, to come up with projects that youth and adults can work on together that give service to the communities. Um, because we're very interested in promoting youth-adult relationships. And we call these youth-led because we want uh, young people to take an active role in, uh, in planning and implementing and evaluating these projects. And uh, what we offer is a, is a stipend of $500 for each project, and these are reimbursable, which means that um, you would buy your supplies for the project and then send us the receipts and then we would reimburse you. And what we ask at the end is that you send us a summary of how it worked, how it didn't work, and, and give us some pictures, too, because we like to um, post them on our website, our Alaska ICE website. So I wanted to tell you about one of the latest ones. Uh, for, for this winter, for 2010, we actually have uh, 18 projects all over the state that, that we uh, are supporting. And the receipts and the summaries and the photographs are starting to come in now after people have done them. And I wanted to tell you about a couple of them. One is called uh, Hunting and Survival Skills. It came from the Shishmara Village-Based Counseling Office. And they took the, a number of kids on a, on a hunting and survival trip with adults from the uh, village and spent a very intense, uh, time, um, uh, about a week, uh, teaching kids about survival and teaching them about hunting uh, practices that were both traditional and non-traditional, uh, more uh, contemporary also. And uh, it was a, a great trip for everyone um, and really important in the kids' development, really uh, helped develop relationships between the adults and the kids. Um, Another one that we did, really unusual one, is called uh, Youth Serving Through Roadkill. And uh, it was from Sterling. And, um, you know, at first blush you think, what is this about roadkill? But what they have done is, uh, you know, how uh, in the wintertime uh, moose get hit on the highway. And uh, what this youth group in Sterling wanted to do was to harvest the meat for um, – needy families in their area. So they asked us for help, and they bought a winch that they could attach to their truck, and then they are on the list for whenever an animal is uh, killed to go out and to harvest harvest the meat. Um, and they have a number of adults who, are, uh, who work with the kids, teach them 
how to butcher, teach them how to um, take care of the meat properly, and then to distribute it to the community. So I just wanted to let you know about just two concrete examples. And in, in, in your districts and, and in the districts of everyone who tunes into this webinar eventually, you can apply. And we will have the uh, proposal uh, on our website so that uh, anyone can download it. Okay, so one um, one additional thing that I just um, alert you to that has to do with young people, um, and that is at our annual conference in November is we always have a um, youth leadership institute which um, has grown over the years to be you know close to 80 kids, and it's really a wonderful time to bring um, young Alaskans in from all over the state. Um, when you come in as school board members, um, they come in and, and have a you know, four-day, four or five-day um, leadership institute. Um, they're also mixed in with a lot with the adults for a lot of the sessions and the general sessions. And it's a really valuable time for um, school board members and superintendents and all of us to, um, you know, to, to to be with kids, hear what they think about things, and um, it's. Uh, I would just encourage you to, um, you know, think about making sure you bring some young people with you when you annual conference. We have a, a smaller youth advocacy institute at our fly-in in um, early February. And uh, the students who come to that learn all about the legislative process, and then they actually go up um, um, to the Capitol with their school board members. They get briefed on all the legislative issues, and um, they can be very articulate um, advocates for the needs, the you know financial and other educational needs in your district. So that's another opportunity for um, so another service that we have, that has become more and more important um, to us and our members, I think, is the um, School Climate and Connectedness Survey. And it originated as part of the evaluation um, of Alaska ICE's effectiveness that we, we hired an outside um, research firm to sort of look at, uh, at what we were accomplishing uh, through our community engagement efforts. And um, they developed this tool to measure uh, positive or measure school climate, um, student connectedness to school, social emotional skills, and risk behaviors. Um, embedded in there is, is sort of finding out about assets. Um, and I, I look at um, school climate and student connectedness as sort of what asset building looks like in the school environment. Um, so this year, um, I know Ketchikan participated this year. We had a record number of districts participate in the spring 2010 school climate survey. And so we have results that are now just um, being analyzed for 39,000 student responses and over 6,000 staff responses. Two surveys, one for students, one for staff. And um, research in our, in our um, data in Alaska um, affirms that uh, academic achievement is um, very correlated with how kids uh, you know, perceive you know, positive school climate and how connected to school they feel and their level of social-emotional skills. Um, their correlations both with academic engagement and achievement and also with um, reduced risk behavior. Uh, so that, that is another service that AASB offers um, and uh, districts that become QS2 partners, for instance, um, basically that, that is part of that service, so they don't um, 
have to pay for the survey, but many other districts, either former 2S2 districts um, and other districts have chosen to participate because they feel like it's very valuable. And this is Bridget. One of the things that we provide for the district is that our uh, our CEEs, our community engagement educators, people like myself, will come to your district and uh, present the results to your school board or to your school staff uh, because it's a lot of material and it's uh, you can certainly read it. But when you're working together with a group, you actually get your hands on the material. It really can mean a lot, and one of the things that districts have done with the results has been to create action plans of things that they want to change uh, in order to make the climate better for their students. So this is just uh, something that your district can, um, can get as, as part of taking this survey. Okay, thanks, Bridget. Um, so I'm just going to talk a little bit about the um, evaluation of Alaska ice that I referred to a few minutes ago. Um, and the next four slides have to do with that, and I'm going to go through them fairly fast. But um, basically, we had an um, external evaluation that looked at um, the districts and communities that Alaska ice had been partnering with. They looked at um, data from 2004 to 2008. Um, and Basically, we, we got some very um, good results reported in terms of the impact that um, we saw in those districts. And of course, uh, community engagement and the work that we do is very um, collaborative. And we, you know, we, we can't say that the, the gains made in these districts and communities and schools um, are as a result directly of the work that Alaska ISA um, because there's so many things, factors at work, you know, districts and schools and, you know, and communities. There, there's so much going on that it's very hard to tease out. Um, but, we, but we had a national research firm that actually, you know, delved into this and did a lot of data crunching and stuff like that. And what they, what they found is that communities, schools, and organizations supported by Alaska ICE community partnerships um, showed substantial improvements in youth-adult relationships and adult involvement with youth. Uh, they did, there was evidence they had adopted strengths-based asset-building policies and practices, um, you know, in, in the community, in schools, in various organizations, um, and that they had developed sustainable community coalitions as successful vehicles for change. Um, They also saw that uh, there were, um, okay, um, that there were increases in academic achievement on statewide attest, uh, uh, assessments, higher expectations, better climate, and reduced risk behavior. Um, and this was this was a particular finding for Alaska Native students, and of course that's um, of um, great interest to us and all of our districts because um, there's still a, the achievement. But what, but what they found was in the, in the, um, the, the schools and, and communities we've been working with that Alaska students made particular gains, and that, that's, um, that is good news. And they, they made higher Native students as a group across the state made gains on um, 
proficiency in standard-based assessments and stuff, but they made even greater gains in And so the, the, um, this little graphic just gives you um, some of the summaries of, um, you know, some of the things that we looked at in, this, in a group of 15 QS2 districts. Um, the evaluation looked at this group of QS2 districts, and then they also delved further into three specific communities to try to tease um, out other impacts. Um, and just there's a couple of um, things that might be of interest if you, if you want to know more about this. Um, and one is we, we uh, published a, a summary of the, the actual evaluation is you know, fairly thick and, and academic, but um, we um, published a, a summary called Community Engagement in Alaska Initiative Reporting that um, you all may have seen. If you haven't, we'll have it available on our website and also um, bring it to our conference. Okay, so um, some of the things that we've learned in um, doing this work for um, going on 10 years is that community engagement takes time. Uh, it's, it's hard, messy work. It really is about community change. It's not, it's, there's no blueprint for it, and we can't go into a community or a school or a district and just say, okay, here's what you do. Here's the checklist. It's really more of a process of helping local people, you know, define what their idea of success is, um, where do they want their um, kids to be, and how to get there. And that's, that's, of course, what, you know, building that local capacity and developing relationships um, and having, being able to articulate what those local goals and that shared vision is are really key to being the next one. Um, one of the important things also about this is that um, we learned that we really, obviously it's about community change and organizational change, whether it be schools or um, youth-serving organizations or, um, you know, employers. I mean, businesses are a, um, a good place where they, if they're intentional, they can build assets and kids the kind of supports and you know, coaching. We talked about coaches are often important people. I think, I think what we're doing is trying to turn all of us in our community, all adults, into coaches um, so that we're, we're giving kids the boundaries and expectations and we're giving them the skills and the confidence um, and the support they need to be successful. So one of the things that's very important to this whole effort is recognizing and celebrating success, whether it's, um, you know, um, Parents giving their own children um, positive feedback and guidance. Um, one of our partners statewide is the Spirit of Youth, which is an organization um, that that uh, looks to recognize youth for doing teenagers for doing good things in their community, and then they they try to get those positive stories on the media because one of the things that we all know is the media is really good at reporting the negative stuff about teenagers, um, but not so much about the positive. So the Spirit of Youth um, is a statewide um, organization, and anybody can nominate um, teenagers for doing good things in their community. So that's something as school board members um, and as members of your community that, that you can go on, online to spiritofyouth.org. And um, it's a fairly simple application process. But what happens is um, when you recognize a teen for doing something positive, um, 
we have a process so that um, it usually comes back to the school board to be presented to that team at a um, public meeting. A certificate signed by the lieutenant governor and probably your board chair. Um, you can make sort of a big deal about it. It, it not only um, recognizes that um, teenager, but also, you know, word gets around the community and um, shared youth turns a certain number of those stories into um, radio stories that get played on um, the public radio stations and, and a whole, net, a whole net, uh, network of um, radio stations around Alaska. So that's a way of helping uh, reshape uh, adult perception of youth, um, which ultimately has an impact on how kids feel valued in their um, how engaged they feel, and um, it, you know, basically success breeds success. So when you recognize people, it feels good. Human nature likes that, and um, it encourages people who are doing good things to do more good things, and it encourages other people to do good things. And it, and it basically shows adults that there are teenagers all over the state that are doing amazing things. And if we spent a little more time focusing on those, um, we would be able to sort of multiply that. Um, so I guess, you know, we sort of get down to um, school board member roles and, um, and um, what, what that looks like for you. Uh, hi, this is Bridget again. Um, Barbara and Michelle, are you hearing us now? It's a little soft, but uh, I'm, I'm picking you up. Okay. Um, it was okay. Uh, I had turned it up, but the last speaker seemed to fade in and out. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna just really beam in on this telephone and hope that my voice will be strong enough for you to hear. Um, you know, as school board members. It, 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 even before you were elected, I'm sure that, that you were already uh, community leaders. Uh, and in your role as community leaders, you are uh, you're a role model for other adults and, and for young people, too. One of the things that we like to say around here and remind each other of is that we are role models 100% of the time even when we don't think we are, even when we're, we're driving or going to the grocery store or walking in our neighborhoods. We are always a role model. Someone is learning from our behavior. Um, so what about you? Um, what are some of the ways you've been a role model for adults in your community? Um, for me, I try to do little things uh, as I sort of go through my day. Uh, we have a grocery store not far from where we are sitting right now, A&P. I know you have an A&P in Ketchikan, too. And the kids often sit at card tables there and sell raffle tickets for, to fundraise for one thing or another. And I always make sure that uh, I buy at least one ticket uh, from any event that kids are doing because that's one way to show support. Um, how about you, Barbara and Michelle? What are some of the ways that, that you've been a role model? 
Well, um, Canada is pretty small, and so um, we don't have a bus right now, but I was the school bus driver for many years. I'm also the community librarian, and I have two children that are now in college. But um, I guess I was always kind of around, and, um, yeah, I've bought my fair amount of raffle tickets. Somebody commented, yeah, she won the Nano, and it's like, but she could have bought one if she just spent ten more dollars or something, you know. And so, um, so just I don't know. Um, don't drink, smoke, do drugs. Um, I don't know. I I bring fish for the science classes to use for dissecting. It's like try to help, I guess. When new teachers come, I try to help or just, you know, um, or even anybody new in the in the community. It's like, oh, you know, see what they can offer for the community, you know, and try to expose the kids that are around to them, too, just because if you don't leave here, then anything that comes in, it's, to me, it's an education. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great, Barb, all those ways that you just talked about are, are wonderful, and, and I was just thinking that you were saying that you were the school bus driver. I think school bus drivers are uh, in, in a role where they really can have a huge effect on, on kids because they see them every day and uh, can really build, build assets just in that role. Um, how about you, Michelle? I, I guess I never really thought about it. Uh, I am heavily involved in, in the community um, through things like Rotary, Women in Safe Homes, um, the Chamber of Commerce, and the list goes on and on. Um, I suppose in, I guess, an unusual kind of way um, is that I, I uh, run and, and create the programming and host uh, about eight or ten different shows for our, our local uh, cable channel here um, because I work for the cable channel. And um, the, I always try to make sure that the shows that we produce are highlighting positive things that are going around um, and in uh, that people are doing in our community uh, for others and, you know, how, how great Ketchikan is and what a great place it is to live and, and try to give people that aha moment. You know, you're in a small town and people think that they know everything about everything and everyone and it's just not true. There's a lot of people that are doing great things and positive things that are happening that people don't maybe know about. Oh, that that sounds great, and that that's, uh, makes me think about what Sally was talking about for the Soy Awards that points out the great things that young people are doing all over the state, and it sounds like what you're doing with the uh, cable is pointing out what good things that people are doing in, uh, in Ketchikan. Um, it, it is true that that uh, everybody has a role to play yeah, in in community engagement and in, in building assets. We uh, we all can do something, and and I think we just keep need to keep reminding one another uh, of all the things that that we can do, because it, there it it has to do, as Sally was saying, with a change in attitude a change in intention, and looking, as you were talking about, Michelle, 
looking at things that are strong in your community rather than focusing on, on the negative. And, uh, and as you were talking about, Barb, um, looking to places where you can lend a hand, that it takes just a change in our thought processes to realizing that every single one of us has a real role to play in uh, raising young people and making our communities great places to live for everyone. So um, basically, that is our presentation. We'd be happy to um, answer any questions. I'm going to get the phone right over here. Can you hear me now? That's good. Okay. Um, anyway, well, we just like to, you know, if you have any questions um, or anything like that, we'd be happy to try to answer them. I, I really don't. I've been a huge fan of the program and, uh, you know, peruse the website quite a bit. So I, I guess I don't. Sorry. That's okay. Was that Barb or Michelle? That was Michelle. Okay. Barbara, did you have any questions or? No, um, I know that at one point we had um, Andre and Bruce here for ICE, and I don't know if it was because um, we didn't have, like, matching money or something, but it was fun while they were here, and I remember we did assessments and stuff, and and a couple of the surveys, but then I'm not sure what happened. And we go through administration changes often, so maybe that was part of it. But, yeah, I think you know, it, was, it is. Yeah, Tanana started out um, as a applied to be a QS2 district and started out, and I think, you know, with changes and, and other things that they were focusing on, it just it, um, it sort of went on hiatus after, after um, a year. So that was... Unfortunate from our perspective, but um, you know maybe in the future, Canada will get to a place where they want to reapply. And and as you know, as we described, there are other plenty of other services and ways that we can support and serve your district, um, even you know outside of being a QS2 district. And um, uh -huh. we're always looking for ways to do that. Okay. Yeah, and I'm always looking for things like, oh, what else can we do? But, you know, there's only so many of us, and sometimes that ends up being a problem. You know, I mean, everybody has their exhaustion point. <laughs> right, and, you know, that's really one of the major points of, of our model of community engagement is that, um, you know, it's the same people who are supporting kids and the community in all in all different spheres, and it's all about sort of enlarging that group and engaging other people um, no matter where they are. It's like Bridget said, it's that it's about that intention and a change of attitude. And um, I really when when people sort of get that, that it's a way of thinking, not another program, it's like a light bulb comes on and they start seeing opportunities all around them, looking for strengths. You know, all communities have strengths, all schools, all students, all families have strengths. And it really is about identifying those and then building on those. And um, and you can be, you know, as school board members, you're in a prime position to advocate and engage other, enlist other people in this effort because people really will, um, I mean, one of the things we bring is is sort of research and information that, that 
you know, shows that little things make a difference. And when I think people feel so overwhelmed by what they perceive as problems today that it, it sort of just makes them exhausted before they start and it's, they hesitate to get involved. But if you can show people how all they have to do is be a little more intentional in their daily lives and in, in their daily interactions with, with young people and think through this other lens and it can make a huge difference. And you guys are as school board members in a you know, very powerful position to be able to, um, you have the bully pulpit to be able to explain that to people and um, get them enthusiastic about helping. So anyway, with that, we're just about done with the hour. So I wanted to thank you guys for tuning in, and I hope this was helpful. And you know, if you ever have more questions, um, want to know a little bit more, there's tons of stuff on our website. And um, we have lots of um, resources and materials, and um, and we're always just a phone call away or an email away. So um, um, thanks so much, and um, hopefully we will see you soon. Thank you. Um, thank you. This is Barbara, and I do. Um, sometimes I've even taken them to school board meetings. The the AASB flyers that come out every month, and then the the inset that has, you know, what the other communities are doing. And I was like, well, look what they're doing. Maybe we could do something like this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it's just, I don't know, if you just keep hinting or trying to do it, I guess that's part of um, getting there. And, and Barbara, this is Bridget. Um, you know, perhaps the youth-led service project might be something to get people started because it's it's pretty manageable. Um, what do you think? Um, yeah, I I took some pretty good notes and I was thinking I would look into it and talk to um, some other people because we've done some things in the past, but, you know, like we have fewer teachers, we have um, fewer students and, you know, fewer um, community members, but but there are still some things we've done, you know, um, that, and for me, anything hands-on is that much more of a learning experience. Right, right. So if you do come up with some ideas, just give me a call and, and uh, I can help you with it. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Great. Thank you, guys. I'm just going to ask you now to go ahead and log off. and hang up. Then I'll put all these okay. recordings on the website this afternoon. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Please stand by.